Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Crombie Reads second quarter 2020 earnings call. At this time, note that all participants' lines are in a listen-only mode. Following the presentations, we will conduct a question and answer session. And if at any time during the call you require immediate assistance, please press star zero for the operator. Note that the call is being recorded on Thursday, August 6, 2020. And I would like to turn the conference over to Ruth Martin. Please go ahead. Thank you, Sylvie. Good day, everyone, and welcome to Crombie Reit's second quarter conference call and webcast. Thank you for joining us. This call is being recorded in live audio and is available on our website at www.crombiereit.com. Slides to accompany today's call are available on the investor section of our website under presentations and events. On the call today are Don Clow, President and Chief Executive Officer, Clinton Kay, Chief Financial Officer and Secretary, and Glenn Hines, Executive Vice President and Chief Operating Officer. Today's discussions include forward-looking statements. As always, we want to caution you that such statements are based on management's assumptions and beliefs. These forward-looking statements are subject to uncertainties and other factors that could cause actual results to differ materially from such statements. Please see our public filings, including our annual information form, for a discussion of these risk factors. I will now turn the call over to Dawn, who will begin our discussion with comments on Crombie's overall strategy and outlook. Glenn will follow with a development update and a review of Crombie's operating fundamentals and results. Clinton will discuss our financial results, capital allocation, and approach to funding. And Dawn will conclude with a few final remarks. Over to you, Dawn. Thank you, Ruth, and good day, everyone. The economic and social disruption experienced over the last few months has been truly unprecedented. When the global pandemic was declared in March, none of us knew the duration or kind of impact it would have on our country. We've said numerous times over the last 10 years, Crombie has not only grown and optimized the quality of our grocery-anchored real estate portfolio, but at the same time, we strengthened our financial condition and created an experienced and talented team such that we were ready for the proverbial black swan, in this case, the global pandemic. Our team mobilized quickly with office staff moving to work from home and operation staff preparing our properties to ensure the health, safety, and well-being for all visitors. I want to personally thank our team, and especially our frontline team, for their resilience and extraordinary work ethic in the face of the elevated risk of COVID-19 to keep our customers safe and properties operating. Fortunately for Crombie, most of the space within our portfolio was occupied by tenants deemed essential services and they remained open during the national shutdown. With the economy beginning to stabilize and most businesses reopening across the country, we are pleased that our July rent collection was 93%, an increase from the 90% achieved during the second quarter. As restrictions lift, we are happy to say that 97% of our tenants are open for business. Significant strides have been made in recent weeks as Canadians adapt to the new normal. And while we are cautiously optimistic amidst a worldwide pandemic, we hope the current trend of stabilization 
continues. Not all tenants have been able to weather the recession caused by the pandemic. Our leasing and operation teams have worked very closely with our tenants to maintain strong relationships and provide financial assistance through our Crombie Value Small Business Program or the federal and provincial government's Canada Emergency Commercial Rent Assistance Programs. Additionally, case-by-case evaluations have been ongoing with select tenants who do not qualify for either of the two programs to determine appropriate levels of support for their business. Our strategic partnership with Empire provides a sustainable competitive advantage for Crombie that enables us to expand and diversify our defensive grocery-anchored real estate portfolio with strong risk-adjusted returns, especially in the major urban markets in Canada where we are unable, or sorry, where we are able to unlock the significant underlying land value and do major mixed-use residential developments. <coughs> Excuse me. We are working closely to align Crombie's strategy with Empire strategy, with an expectation that we collectively drive high-quality yet defensive growth consistently and at scale. This alignment includes a three-year plan to invest in the modernization and expansion of grocery stores, a number of store conversions, including the Freshco discount format in Western Canada and Farm Boy in Ontario, accelerating Sobeys' build-out of Voila, their online grocery home delivery service, land use intensifications, and the unlocking of major developments. I want to commend the Empire team for their resilience and dedication as they worked relentlessly to put food on the tables of Canadians and keep customers safe over the last six months. The recent launch of their online grocery home delivery service, Voila by Sobeys in the greater Toronto area, and their announcement of a new three-year growth strategy, Project Horizon, indicates Crombie is fortunate to have a strong partner that has not only emerged as a leader during the COVID-19 crisis, but will also be a leader of the grocery industry in Canada for years to come. Our first six major development projects play a key role in our long-term strategy to accelerate per-unit NAV and AFFO growth. Despite being well-managed by our teams and our JV partners, West Bank and Prince Developments, the impacts of COVID-19 on our major developments caused some minor increases in costs and slightly delayed expected completion dates. Though some work stoppages were experienced in Quebec, our development and entitlement work continued to forge ahead. We were thrilled to see the Safeway store at Davy Street in Vancouver open in May and look forward to the completion of this large mixed-use development, Crombie's first, later this year, in 2020. Quality and diversification of our developments and the economic returns, including the significant NAV creation and solid AFFO growth, remain of utmost importance to our strategy as we complete $600 million of major developments over the next 16 months. As we have said numerous times, based on current circumstances and valuation measures, we expect these first six developments to be worth a fair value of approximately $750 to $900 million upon completion, thus creating approximately $1 to $2 per unit of net, net asset value. Importantly, we continue to work with Empire and Canada's major cities on the zoning and density entitlements of seven additional projects to unlock and realize the significant land value embedded in our major urban market grocery stores and generate opportunities to continue our development program into the future. Lastly, I want to encourage investors to use caution in using short-term KPIs to judge long-term real estate assets, 
backed by a strong financial position and an expert management team. Short-term measures are important, but please recognize real estate portfolios and platforms like Crombie's are built for stability and growth over the long term, including their ability to withstand short-term shocks as we are seeing today. With that, I'll now turn the call over to Glenn, who will provide an update on our developments and operational highlights. Thank you, Don, and good day, everyone. Crombie remains committed to the health, safety, and well-being of our employees, tenants, customers, and communities. With the reopening of all our properties, our enhanced cleaning activities and operational physical distancing protocols continue to be of critical importance as a protective measure against the spread of the COVID-19 virus. Understanding the value of open lines of communication, we have been sharing updates with our tenants on a weekly basis and will continue to do so. Many tenants are faced with substantial changes to the way they serve their customers, so we have assisted with implementing what is required tenant by tenant, property by property. Our portfolio is well positioned with respect to the defensiveness of our annual minimum rent, with 76% of minimum rent generated from grocery and pharmacy anchored properties, 68% of rent from essential services tenants like grocery stores, and only 8% of rent from small business. Our largest tenants are investment-grade grocery stores, pharmacies, banks, and government offices. Over the last few years, we've improved the quality of our portfolio by acquiring assets in Canada's top markets, as well as recycling approximately $800 million of properties, mostly in secondary and tertiary markets, to reinvest in Crombie's major urban developments. The portfolio we have today is strong and and improves our positioning for future periods of uncertainty, such as what we're experiencing today with COVID-19. As Don mentioned, during the month of July, 93% of gross rent was collected, an improvement from the 90% collected for the second quarter, which Clinton will detail shortly. We received full rent collection from our retail-related industrial segment, 96% of our office rents, and 92% of our retail and commercial segment. We believe collections will continue to improve with approximately 97% of tenants already open, and we anticipate virtually all our tenants will be open and operational by the end of this quarter. Our tailored approach to rent relief further strengthened our relationships with tenants. To date, we have approximately 260 tenants at 70 properties in the application process for the CEQRA program. Even with the additional support, inevitably, there are still tenants at risk. Since the onset of the pandemic, there have been numerous declarations of store closures, CCA applications, or bankruptcies in the broader market. Our defensive and internet resilient portfolio has minimal exposure to these announced closures, with only 17 leases potentially impacted, representing approximately 61,000 square feet, or approximately 0.7% of annual minimum rent. To date, only two of these 17 leases have been disclaimed, representing approximately 6,000 square feet, or approximately zero annual minimum rent impact, which is an indication of the strength of our properties. Avalon Mall is feeling the impact of the pandemic the hardest. Avalon Mall was effectively closed from the end of March to early June due to provincial government restriction. The reopening has been extremely positive with 93% of tenants open for business and a significant improvement in rent collection at 60% for July compared to 42% in the second quarter. Strong fundamentals are critical in these unprecedented times. Crombie experienced a small decrease in committed occupancy to 95.6% 
compared to our record high occupancy of 96.2% at Q1. New leases and expansions year-to-date increased our occupancy by 92,000 square feet at an average first-year rate of $18.95 per square foot. While we experienced 124,000 square feet of year-to-date net lease expiries, vacancies, terminations, and space adjustments. We ended the quarter with 88,000 square feet of committed space at an average first-year rent of $21.18 per square foot, which will boost future NOI growth. During the quarter, 230,000 square feet of renewals were completed at a 3.6% increase over expiring rental rates. Year-to-date, our renewal program is on schedule as we have renewed 386,000 square feet at an increase of 4% over expiring rent. During the first six months, our retail renewals were solid with 302,000 square feet of retail renewed at rental increases of 4.9%. As we continue to maneuver our necessity-based portfolio through these uncertain times, our team is dedicated to ensuring our underlying business fundamentals and core portfolio remain resilient and strong. The impact of COVID-19 on our major development program, as Don noted, caused some minor cost increases and slight adjustments to completion dates. These changes are discussed in the MDNA, and I will note them here. We are pleased to report that construction at our Montreal Leduc mixed-use development and our Montreal Voila Par IGA Customer Fulfillment Center, or CFC, resumed in May after the six-week government-required shutdown. Construction in Vancouver, the GTA, Victoria, and St. John's, the homes of our other four major projects, were deemed essential and work continued, albeit at a slower pace, through the quarter, with new protocols to ensure the safety of all individuals on site. We continue to expect to reach substantial completion in 2020 of our first three major developments, including Davie Street in Vancouver, Belmont Market on Vancouver Island, and Avalon Mall in Newfoundland and Labrador, with slightly delayed schedules. Investment continues in Bronte in Oakville, Leduc in Montreal, and the Voila Par IGA CFC in Montreal with substantial completion expected in 2021. We have another seven projects in pre-planning where we continue our work to improve and deliver value-enhancing entitlements for each development. In Davie Street, Vancouver, the new Safeway store opened on May 21st with Scotiabank and a government liquor store scheduled to open in Q4 of this year. Total project costs for the retail component increased by $600,000 reducing our expected yield range slightly to 6.2 to 6.5%. The residential portion is well advanced with construction complete and interior finishing well underway for both towers. Despite construction continuing throughout the pandemic, the estimated substantial completion date of the 330 residential rental units has been extended slightly, but will still be completed in Q4 2020, as previously communicated, with an estimated increase in total project costs of $1.8 million, reducing our expected yield on cost range slightly to 5 to 5.5%, which is still a very strong risk-adjusted return on a high-quality residential development in Vancouver. Belmont Market on Vancouver Island will reach substantial completion in 2020, with the final phase of the development consisting of three small buildings totaling 23,000 square feet, which will come online in 2021. Construction commenced on the first of these three buildings during the second quarter, with the remaining two buildings slated for 2021 construction. 
Avalon Mall is the only regional mall in all of Newfoundland and Labrador, and we are cautiously optimistic that as the economy continues to reopen, it will reemerge and continue its dominance as evidenced by sales of approximately $700 per square foot pre-pandemic. Construction of our expansion area will be substantially complete in Q3, with the grand opening delayed until spring of 2021 due to COVID-19. 92.6% of Avalon Mall, excluding the expansion area, is leased, but due to an expected near-term slowdown of leasing activity, we have adjusted our NOI yield on cost range projections from 10.3% to 11% downward in Q1, in Q1 to an updated 9.2% to 10.1% range in Q2. In Montreal, at our Leduc project, we've experienced some pandemic-related completion delay, but still anticipate substantial completion in Q3 of 2021, as previously communicated. This 25-story mixed-use tower with 26,000 square feet of IGA-anchored commercial grocery and 390 residential rental units has the structure complete to the 25th floor, and the project is 89% tendered. Crombie maintains its 2021 substantial completion date for the Montreal CFC, the Empire launch of Voila Par IGA, the online grocery home delivery service to be made available in Quebec and the Ottawa area is now expected in early 2022, delayed slightly due to the temporary shutdown of non-essential construction in Quebec during the pandemic. Construction commenced in May, foundations are in place, and steel superstructure is now underway. The Bronte Village construction site in GTA remains open and has, has been only marginally delayed due to the impact of a reduced workforce arising from COVID. We still anticipate the 54,000 square feet of commercial and 480 residential rental units will be substantially completed in Q4 of 2021, as previously communicated. Bronte is 96% tendered. Upon completion, we expect these properties to create significant AFFO growth per unit, and based on current circumstances and valuation measures, as Don noted, aggregate NAV creation of approximately $1 to $2 per Crombie unit, and increase our presence in the country's top urban markets while diversifying and improving on our overall portfolio, uh, portfolio quality and income stream. And lastly, and most importantly, we're not aware of a single COVID-19 infection to date on these six project com construction sites. We are proud of the work that our partners, our contractors, and our team have done in focusing on health and safety. And with that, I will now turn the call over to Clinton, who will highlight our second quarter financial results and discuss our capital and development program funding approach. Clinton? Thank you, Glenn, and good afternoon, everyone. During these challenging times, Crombie remains in good financial health with a strong and flexible balance sheet, ample liquidity, and an ability to prudently allocate and creatively source capital. While we are pleased with our 90% collection rate in Q2, which improved to 93% in July and 97% tenant opening statistics, like everyone else, we are unable to predict the future duration and financial impacts of the pandemic with complete certainty. The pandemic created increased risk, particularly around the collection of tenant receivables. Our bad debt expense for the quarter was 8.7 million. This includes 1.1 million expense for the 25% rent abatement for tenants under the SECRA program, 2.6 million expense for other rental abatements, and 5.1 million in a general provision for bad debts. Bad debt expense for the quarter is 8% of quarterly gross rent consisting of 1% for SECRA, 2% for other abatements, 
and 5% general provision against the 7% of deferred and unpaid rents. Judgment is required in estimating bad debt expense exposure, and where doubt on collection existed, we included those amounts in our Q2 provision, negatively impacting short-term NOI by increasing bad debt expense. On a cash basis, same asset NOI decreased by 4.6% compared to the second quarter of 2019. Excluding COVID-19 related adjustments such as bad debt expense and a decline in parking revenue, same asset NOI increased by 3.6% quarter over quarter. AFFO per unit was 18 cents, decreasing from 25 cents for the same quarter last year. Our AFFO payout ratio was 125.2%, versus the same quarter last year at 89.9%. FFO for the quarter decreased to $0.22 per unit from $0.29 for Q2 2019, and our FFO payout ratio was 101.8% versus 75.7% in the same quarter last year. The decline in AFFO and FFO is primarily due to the significant increase in bad debt expense and parking revenue impact as previously noted. Adjusting for the impact of COVID-19 on Crombie's operating performance, FFO per unit would be $0.26 cents and FFO per unit would be $0.30. Cents. Additionally, we are feeling the effects of approximately $500 million in dispositions executed in 2019 with the primary reinvestment of proceeds to major developments with no initial return, while we await the completion of major developments over the next 16 months. GNA as a percentage of property revenue for Q2 was 7.2% or 7 million, up from Q2 19 of 6 million. During the quarter, in the face of the uncertainty of COVID-19, we chose to reduce operating expenses with an organizational realignment resulting in elimination of certain positions, including two at the vice president level. Severant costs of 1.5 million were incurred, resulting in the increase of GNA expense, partially offset by lower travel and office expenses. Excluding severance costs, GNA in the quarter would have been $5.5 million versus $6 million last year. In the first six months of 2020, when fair valuing our investment properties, we made assumptions as to the potential short and long-term impact caused by COVID-19. Net property income has been lowered and capitalization rates increased in certain cases. In the first quarter of 2020, Crombie reduced its fair value of enclosed malls by approximately 15%, which was the primary driver behind a Q1 fair value reduction of investment properties of $86 million. In the second quarter, expectations were again updated as to the impact of COVID-19, and values were in line with our Q1 estimates. Additionally, fair value was positively impacted in Q2 by non-COVID-related adjustments for capital investments in Sobre's properties, causing increased NOI, and appraiser provided reductions in capitalization rates for some of our properties in British Columbia, resulting in an increase in fair value over Q1 of $85 million. Crombie remains committed to increasing weighted average term to maturity of our debt, reducing leverage over the medium term, and increasing our unencumbered asset pool. In the second quarter, a 3.88% 16-year mortgage loan for $118 million on our Vaughan Ontario Distribution Centre was secured and funded. We repaid approximately 10 million of mortgages, leaving 48 million of mortgages maturing primarily in Q4 of 2020. Our unencumbered asset pool remained consistent at approximately 1.5 billion, 
and our balance sheet remains flexible with approximately $400 million of available liquidity. Our debt to gross book value on a fair value basis was 49.2% at the end of Q2, compared to 50% for Q1 2020 or 48.9% adjusted for cash on hand in Q1. We ended the quarter with debt to trailing 12-month EBITDA at 9.12 times versus 8.86 times at Q1 20. Adjusting for bad debts recorded in the quarter, debt to EBITDA would have been 8.73 times. Subsequent to the quarter end, Cromley put in place a $1 billion base shelf prospectus for 25 months to allow the issuance of units, debt, and other related securities on an accelerated basis. This is a proactive, ordinary course step, and we do not see an immediate need to access the capital markets. As we continue to navigate through this difficult time, Crombie's grocery and pharmacy anchor portfolio of essential service tenants will support our communities, businesses, tenants, and employees while never losing sight of our long-term strategy to effectively allocate capital to accelerate NAV and DFFO growth per unit, delivering value. I will now turn the call over to Don for a few closing comments. Thank you, Quentin. Uh, Before we conclude for questions, I'd like to take a moment to reflect on current events and their impact on Crombie. As Crombie continues to grow and evolve, so too does our focus on ESG priorities. In developing a comprehensive ESG program, we have identified key areas in which we can improve our business and our impact. In recent months, the world has watched social protests led by Black Lives Matter and other organizations have mobilized our communities to commit to eliminating racial injustices. Diversity and inclusion is a critically important element of our social impact commitment and is essential to the success of every organization. We can and must do a better job of ensuring this work is ingrained in our hiring and employment practices, and we are committed to doing just that. Like many CEOs across Canada, I recently signed the Black North CEO Pledge, which was initiated by the Canadian Council of Leaders Against Anti-Black Systemic Racism. Signing the pledge, I've committed myself and Crombie to work diligently to uphold its underlying promise. Working diligently is the unspoken mantra of the Crombie team. I've often said that one of my priorities as CEO is to ensure Crombie is well prepared if, quote, the world falls off a cliff, unquote. While we envision different potential scenarios that might play out, the global pandemic wasn't at the top of the list. As we saw the virus take hold across China and Italy, our business continuity team met daily to plan our response in, Canada, in case Canada faced a similar crisis. I knew we had a strong team at Crombie, and they proved me correct. People who are the backbone of our business are smart, focused, and committed to excellence. What we have seen over the past months is that our team is also incredibly resilient and nimble in the face of a fast-changing and unprecedented environment. Every week, our team successfully faces a new challenge whether it is supporting tenants through rent relief, adapting our operations to evolving health and safety protocols, maintaining strong relationships, or preparing comprehensive quarterly reports from home. We continue to work diligently to ensure our commitment to all of our stakeholders remains steadfast. I want to again thank each and every member of the Crombie team for their perseverance and excellence over the last six months. Lastly, as I've said many times, we believe in and are deeply committed to our long-term strategy of creating value with our strategic partner, Empire, together with a strong real estate development program in Canada's major urban markets 
that is layered on top of one of the best grocery-anchored real estate portfolios in Canada. We believe this strategy, when combined with our solid financial condition, our access to capital, and our entrepreneurial talent, will generate solid total unit holder returns for our stakeholders for years to come. That concludes our prepared remarks, and we're now happy to answer your questions. Thank you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer session. If you do have a question, please press star followed by one on your touchtone phone. You will then hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request. Should you wish to withdraw your question, simply press star followed by two. And if you're using a speakerphone, we ask that you please lift the handset before pressing any keys. Please go ahead and press star one now if you have any questions. And your first question will be from Mike Marquitas at Desjardins. Please go ahead. Hi, everyone. Um, Thank you very much for providing the breakdown of the bad debt expense on page 18 of the uh, investor presentation, the call deck. Um, Just wanted to clarify a few things, if you don't mind. So uh, first off, Quinn, do you, off the top of your head, just have the, I mean, I'm sure we could back it up, but um, what the total gross rent build for the quarter was? Yeah, Michael, the gross month, the gross rent bill for the quarter would be around 103 million. 103, perfect. Okay. So it's, a um, and then than, just, it's a bit higher than the revenue per the financials, but yeah, but 103 million. Right. Yeah, we've been learning that you got to include the tax on uh, some of this stuff as you go forward. So, um, which I don't think is reflected in your P&L. So, with the um, the collected amount, just to confirm, it's consistent with everybody else. So, the government receivable on Secra, which I guess would be about two percent, would be included in the 90, correct? Correct. Okay, good. And then um, just curious on the abatement expense, um, sort of how you were looking at that versus the deferrals. Um, is there, I guess, a two-part question. Um, is some of that a permanent reduction, i.e. you abated 2% for the quarter and therefore there's a rent reduction going forward of maybe 25%? I'm just trying to get a sense of how much of that is just a... a uh, an no. ongoing reduction versus a free rent. No, it, it's, uh, I would say, Mike, it's it's essentially never use the word one time, but it's not an ongoing rent abatement. It's a cost that's recognized uh, in the quarter. And one of the other matters I would say is that part of the consideration in exchange for the rent abatement is some other things that are valuable to Crombie whether it's term extensions or whether it's some restrictions of development rights, et cetera. So, and Donnie may speak to this a little bit later as well, but uh, the abatement piece, uh, we would think uh, what's covered in the quarter uh, should be the vast majority of any abatement cost, assuming things continue on the current trajectory that, uh, that we're currently feeling. Uh, you, uh, you read my mind with that one, Glenn, so thank you very much for providing that. Um, and then just lastly, um, I guess you guys have the the five percent um, of anticipated uncollectibles that are grouped together with the deferrals and the unpaid. Um, so is that is that to say that basically the the provision is solely? Um, yeah, I guess that would be the case because you don't have uh, an abatement is an abatement. There's no receivable. Okay, I think I just answered my question. But uh, no, but you asked a question there. That's a good question, which is exactly right. I think us and others, what we've really said is we have a bad debt cost for the quarter of 8%, you can earmark 1% specifically for Secra, the 25% piece, piece, that's straightforward. The abatement piece is straightforward. So the remaining 5% is a provision against what's in the deferral category, 
We're confident and optimistic that the deferrals will be collected, as we're confident and optimistic that a chunk of the unpaid will be. But uh, we were, I would say, Mike, a bit prudent or even conservative in that piece, the 5% provision against that remaining seven. And I think the biggest piece of why, as we look at it today, why we feel it was very conservative is that Avalon has really turned the corner nicely with 93% of tenants now open and moving from a 42% rent collection in the quarter up to 60% in July and feeling really good about foot traffic and the, the mood at Avalon. Um, you know, we're feeling much better, but your interpretation of those numbers is correct. Okay, and uh, appreciate all those clarifications just because um, everyone's presenting things a little bit differently and we're just trying to make sure it's all comparable. And, uh, you know, your guys' collection rates, uh, collection rates obviously stand up very well versus yours. Um, just last one for me um, with respect to your office portfolio. Just curious if you have a sense of how much um, of the tenant base is actually back in force in the, uh, in the office portfolio. Yeah, the office space is is interesting, and, and ours is primarily in Halifax. So we have about 97% of the tenants are operational, um, but only about half of them have workforce that's back on site. Um, and I think with work from home going well for many of these companies, you know, we're not expecting to see a big resurgence in that uh, office return in, until the fall. Um, you know, we're seeing, like, if you look at our parking piece, which is very much tied to office, that's really slowed down. The food court at, at Scotia Square is, is slowed down. So our guess is we're going to start to see a doubling of our office population by mid-September. And then I think from there, it's just going to be a gradual confidence piece as vaccines in place, et cetera. I think the fact that work from home seems to be going relatively famously for many has reduced the urgency. And I would also say, and this is a cultural thing, maybe in Atlantic Canada, but the two markets where we have a lot of office, which is principally Halifax, but, but a bit in Moncton, there seems to be a, a, a not a, an urgent rush to get back, um, but uh, we're expecting to see significant ramp up uh, in the fall. Uh, hopefully that helps, but the, the good news is that you know 97% of the tenants are operational. Rent collection has been strong. I think you noted, or you may have noted, that you know our same asset NOI drop in office for the quarter was principally on the parking side. That's where most of our parking disaffection was, or at least a, a good portion was. But beyond that, we're still feeling good about office fundamentals, but it's going to take a bit of time with elevator concern and other concern to get all the traffic back. That's, uh, that's very useful, Glenn. Thank you very much. I'll turn it back. Thank you. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, if you do have a question at this time, please press star followed by one on your touchtone phone. And your next question will be from Tal Woolley at National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Or good afternoon. Good afternoon, <laughs> um, You guys, your port, your geographic uh, concentration is a little bit a little bit different than your peers, skewed a little bit more to the Maritimes in Western Canada. And just you know, the the pandemic sort of spread has been obviously very different, uh, you know, across the country. I'm just wondering if you can talk maybe a little bit to um, what leasing demand looks like across some of the regions um, just to see it like just to try and understand like uh, you know some of the regional trends that might be out there you know it's it's interesting um, we're not seeing anything dramatically different the beauty of our portfolio for example in Alberta where you might be worried more so um, you know we just have a very strong grocery anchored portfolio there portfolio there and the ancillary uh, the lease up is very strong so we're 
like very 99% occupied in Western Canada. As we look at our renewal spreads over expiry, it's actually pretty balanced. That uh, 4% year-to-date, 3.6% for the quarter, and 4.9% on our retail renewals towel. If I look across the country, and it's not a huge canvas because with our you know, long lease terms, we don't have a, a ton of renewal activity, but for the first half year, um, it's been very consistently positive in terms of the renewal spread. There's not pockets of market that are negative and other pockets that are more positive. It's pretty well balanced. And then secondly, as we look at the renewals for the balance of the year, we're feeling pretty good. I think we have another half a million square feet. We have a couple of big deals. We had one but 100,000 square foot renewal that actually got renewed in just early Q3. That was a, a Q4 renewal. So we're feeling good about the renewal piece. I think last call we would have expressed caution about maintaining positive renewal spreads on expiries, but that's been very pleasing so far. So I can't tell you that there's a whole lot of anomalies. Uh, maybe Donna Clinton can or have a different perspective, but at this point the, the leasing side has been has been fine. We're expecting it to be you know, a bit slower uh, in post-pandemic or during the pandemic for new leasing, but uh, thankfully so far the renewal side and, and not losing many tenants. Those stats on the CCAA piece that we shared in the, in the script, you know, those are pretty good. We've had 17 leases that are, call it part and parcel of a CCA process. Only two of those are being disclaimed and that speaks to the fact that the other 15 are just great locations and great properties that even through CCAA, the tenant doesn't want to give them up. And uh, so I think that bodes well, but nothing specifically geographically that would be uh, of interest. Um, and as we get sort of closer to completion on Davies Street on the residential piece, um, can you just talk a bit about uh, marketing plan, how, you know, you sort of might adjust, uh, you know, how you approach going to market, uh, given everything that's going on, too? Yeah, tell it's Donnie. Um, you know, so number one, we've been delayed, call it by a quarter, which pushes us into early 2021 in terms of lease up. We've been saying for the last you know, year or so, uh, us and our partner, West Bank, have been saying that we'll be taking our time uh, to ensure we get uh, the rents that we want to get out of the gate. Um, because as you know, there's, there's you know, limits on what can be done after the fact. <clears throat> and so that will continue to be uh, what we expect to happen. Um, there has been some softening, you know, in the market to some degree. And, uh, you know, we're concerned about what, you know, impacts of, of Airbnb and other factors have on the market. Uh, but uh, we still have very solid confidence. Our partner has projects in the in the community that have leased throughout the COVID-19 pandemic and shutdown. And they're quite confident that we will also lease up as we get into, you know, 2021 uh, over time. So, so in our, honestly, our pro forma rents are still uh, well above uh, what we initially would have forecasted them that are in our MDNA. So, so again, we have some margin of safety there in terms of hitting the, the numbers. So, so and, and the project's been very well managed. Uh, they've been very resilient through the construction uncertainties, uh, whether it be supply chain or, um, you know, just the labor forces and managing a number of scares that we thought may have been COVID, but were not confirmed and ultimately proved not to be COVID. So there's lots of things that happened on that site and, uh, you know, we're very thankful to have a great partner and uh, who's done a great job. And uh, we've also, our teams have done, I think, an immense amount of work and uh, you know, bringing this project to completion. We're, 
we're really excited. It's going to drive a lot of NAV creation for this company and AFFO growth over time. And, uh, and it's center ice in Vancouver. So it's, for us, it's a great asset and, uh, in, in, you know, great location. It's probably the best dirt in the country. So we're quite, quite pleased with that. So anyway, it's, uh, some of this stuff is short term in my mind, but I think in the long term, we'll be very, very thankful that, uh, that we have that asset moving forward. And any uh, early word on the, the performance of the reopen store? Sorry, the what? Any uh, any early word on the performance of the reopen Safeway there? Nothing uh, but anecdotal so far, Tal. But uh, we're hearing Sobeys is very happy with the store. I think they opened a little softer than normal because of the pandemic timing. Uh, but beautiful store. We're hearing good comments. They're, they seem quite satisfied. But we're not privy to sales numbers. And if we were, I don't think we'd be sharing them. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> no. But uh, so far, so good is what we're hearing. It's a beautiful store. And it's going to be a great centerpiece to the 330 units uh, above. And uh, good news too: the Scotia Bank and the liquor store uh, will, will commence paying rent in Q3. They'll be taking occupancy in Q4, so we'll have almost the full complement of retail there operational as we gear up to rent up the apartments. Okay. And then just lastly, um, you know, you completed a couple transactions uh, selling some of your grocery anchored retail uh, to uh, private. Private investors last year. Um, have you, subsequent to all of this economic tumult, have you have you have you re received any more inbound interest on that type of product? Yeah, the uh, Tal, we have a, call it a constant flow of inbounds, uh, and I would say at scale, um, and uh, you know, and, and, and in a variety of forms. So whether it be the hundred percent. You know, non-core, what we call non-core, um, that could be, whether it be tertiary secondary market, it could be some of our drug stores that we're interested in uh, potentially selling, uh, and it could be partial interests uh, like the Northern deal we did uh, a year and a half ago for 50% of the Oak Street deal, where it was an 89-11, more unconventional deal. All of those types of inquiries are, con I'll call them consistently inbound. So, uh, and, and, you know, we... I would say with our stock price where it is, you know, we would be, you know, looking uh, again at dispositions. Again, it's it's a, a form of equity, and we've proved we can do it at or above IFRS, you know, through 18 and 19. And uh, so we'll be starting to look at that program and, and working on it over the next number of months um, until the markets sort of settle out and uh, rebound to, to something something that's closer to you know our NAV. And, and we don't need equity, as we've said a number of times, as Clinton said earlier. Really, ended right now, end of 2021 and 2022. We don't really need equity, so uh, we're we're at a place where we're in a pretty good space with a lot of different sources of capital, and uh, and the inbounds are an important part of that. Uh, you know, people that are interested in being our partner and on good assets. Okay, thanks very much, gentlemen. Okay, thanks, Tal. Thank Tal. you. As a reminder, again, ladies and gentlemen, if you do have any questions, please press star one at this time. And right now we have no further questions registered. Please proceed. Thank you for your time today, and we look forward to updating you on our progress on our Q3 call in November. Stay safe and healthy. Thanks, everyone. Thank everybody. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this does indeed conclude your conference call for today. Once again, thank you for attending, and at this time we do ask that you please disconnect your lines. 
Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.